Welcome to Barbecue Radio Network, America's premier barbecue radio show. Join your host, two-time world champion, Andy Groneman and friends, as they sink their teeth into the finest grilling, smoking, and barbecue from coast to coast with the industry's leading pitmasters. Stay tuned for great tips, techniques, and products that will enhance your backyard experience by being a part of the Barbecue Radio Network. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to Barbecue Radio Network, where we up your barbecue game with tips and tricks from the legends and leaders in the barbecue world. I am your host, Andy Groneman, along with our executive producer, T-Bone, and my co-host, which is a barbecue entrepreneur, has hundreds of top finishes, including 20 grand championships. He's a KCBS World Invitational Award winner. You've seen him on Food Network. It's Richard Fergola, pitmaster of Fergalicious Barbecue. What's up? Hey, Ferg. So we are super excited this week. We've got a little bit of barbecue royalty coming on. We have a Barbecue Hall of Famer. He's a Pioneer Award winner. He is an instructor at the Culinary Institute of America's Pork Summit up in Napa. Chris Lilly has been manning the pits at Big Bob Gibson Barbecue for over 30 years. He's also taken their award-winning barbecue on the road as a pit master for the Big Bob Gibson Championship Cooking Team. He's a world champion 17 times over, Ferg. 17 I'm super excited for that one. Super stoked. So whether it's on the Food Network, the Today Show, or just him being a national barbecue ambassador, we're going to be talking to the man that my wife firmly believes is the nicest guy in barbecue, Chris Lilly. Check him out. Check out some of his amazing products. You can find him at www.bigbobgibson.com. You'll see his legendary Alabama white sauce. He's got a three-time best sauce on the planet championship red sauce, as well as all of their other rubs and sauces, not to mention his two cookbooks, And in our fourth segment, we are going to talk with Fergie about a really cool topic. We are going to hit on competition barbecue psychology. But, you know, speaking of competition barbecue, Ferg, like, what's going on? Season's here, right? We're we're there. Yeah, I mean, uh, officially, technically, I've already cooked four contests for the 2023 (laughs) season. Uh, But, yes, the green light is on. The pedal is to the metal. And uh, I'm getting ready to uh, blast out a, you know, 32-33 contest season um, and uh, see what happens, you know? I mean, it's uh, not that I haven't done that before, but I'm just, I'm super stoked. So, you know, we had the big Q, Q Latha's here. Like, what's the, what's the plan? Are you, uh, are you stoked and ready? Yeah, I mean, Q Latha is always a great way to kind of start off the season. I mean, officially, we've already cooked contests, um, but, you know, the weather's nicer, uh, we get to cook, you know, seven minutes from our, from our house. So that always makes it nice. And, uh, you know, you get to cook against 70, 72 of the best teams in the country right there in Olathe, Kansas. So, um, it's always a great way to, and, and when we cook around here in Kansas city, we're always cooking against the best. So you can't run and hide from anybody. So no, you can't, and I, I prefer it that way. You know, I want to cook against the best out there and, uh, it's just a great way to kick things off. And yeah, cooking a month ago in Kansas is no is not really fun. I mean, it's fun in a way. Uh, we used to do that winter queue, and you could have negative seven temperatures and four inches of snow on top of your pit, um, and that's fun in a wow. This is a great struggle. I'm going to drink a lot of whiskey today, kind of way. You got to stay warm. Uh, yeah, you got to stay warm. <laughs> but it, it's not fun, and I want to get out and hang out with all of my you know friends that I haven't seen all season and do that. So. It's great. I can't wait to hear how that goes. 
But we're ready for our Ask Andy segment, which is brought to you this month by Smoke on Wheels Kansas City Bootleg Sauce, which, of course, you can get at All Things Barbecue, atbbq.com. And don't forget, if you bring the question to us, you will get a Barbecue Radio Network t-shirt if we use your question. So, T-Bone, what do you got for us this week? I got a question from Jason Williams from Magnum, Oklahoma. Well, Jason says... The food always chars before it's cooked all the way on the inside. How do you handle that? I wish he would have been more particular about which food. Well, I think in general, if it's charring too fast before it cooks on the inside, that means that that the grill's just too hot. And so what's happening is you've got radiant heat hitting the surface of the meat. And if you have any rub or or anything on that it is just getting beat up it's going to create bitter notes on the food and it's going to cook all of that surface sugars in the protein and you're going to have you know lots of color no flavor at that point and then your interior is going to be raw fergie what do you what's your take I'm, I'm right there with you. I agree. Um, you have to be very careful by about over caramelizing that stuff on the outside and not getting the inside cooked the way you want it so yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, Andy. Yeah, so I think the key there is either if you've got the opportunity, lower the temperature of the pit, whether it's using less coals or lowering the bed of coals so that they're not as close to what you're cooking. Uh, but you want to get your temperature down a little bit, and that will help you uh, kind of get all of those pieces uh, together. So, you know, um, like let's just take a steak, for example. If that was a steak that, he was cooking and jason if you were cooking a steak and you're charring the outside black and it's blue in the center my suggestion is to start with a two-zone fire and and cook it indirect first so pull it off of the coals and let that thing come up to whatever temperature is going to be within about 25 degrees of where you want it to finish so for a steak let's say that's 110 degrees You're going to cook that steak off of the coals so that you're not getting that radiant heat up to about 110 internal temperature. Now, normally I would say what you would use to do that, but... uh, What would you use for that? Well, I'd use a thermometer Ah! to check the temperature. Well, guess what? Drink some of that brown liquid. Oh, man. Brown water break. Brown water break. Um, Little bit of drinking game there. If you haven't watched, listened to the show... Uh, if we say thermometer, you have to go ahead and, and lift one up. So does that technically so, mean we got to drink, take another drink? Cause you just said it again. Oh, he did. I did, did say it again. <laughs> there we go. Cheers. See, and this is, this is why we keep Fergie around. <laughs> keeps us honest, keeps us straight. So that steak, you get it to that nice 110. Now put it over the coals. Once you've got that thing over the coals, you can let that cook for a couple minutes aside. And what's happening is the protein on the surface is having what's called a Maillard reaction. And that is changing the structure of that. And those sugars are, are cooking and creating more flavor. Uh, as that protein and those sugars in it are changing, you're creating flavor on the surface of the meat. That browning is, is exactly what you want. And so you're going to do that. And you're going to do that on both sides, probably a couple minutes aside, directly over the coals. And when you pull that steak off, you should be right at about 125 to 130 degrees internal temperature. That is going to now rest. 
You're going to rest that steak and let the juices inside redistribute. And once they've done that, you're going to have this perfectly cooked 135 degree steak. The outside will not be too charred. The inside will not be blue. You know, that's really what we're after. So great question, Jason. Thank you for that. We are going to send you a t-shirt and get that headed your way to Magnum, Oklahoma. Jason Williams, we appreciate that. So, Ferg, what do you think? Any other uh, steak tips since uh, you're the SCA steak guy? Don't want to leave any of that behind. I don't know about SCA steak guy. I mean, I can cook a steak, but there's uh, there's a lot of better SCA guys out there. But I think I think that's a uh, that's a uh, he, he asked a great question, you know. Um, and I think uh, like anything else in grilling or barbecue, it's all about fire management. And if you don't know how to operate that fire and those zones that you're talking about and putting the meat and placing the meat where it's supposed to be for those certain parts of the cook, then you're going to have those those different results. So I think once you understand that fire management and those zone and the and the cooking zones, then you're going to start rocking out some better steaks. And uh, that just takes practice and time and and ruining a couple steaks before you get to that you know that good result at the end. So. <laughs> Man, my dog loves it when I burn a steak. Finn, that old sucker, he just waits anyway. So coming up next segment, we're going to be talking with Chris Lilly. He is the pit master and fourth generation partner of Big Bob Gibson's Barbecue. Check out their website. They've got amazing sauces, rubs. They've got two award-winning cookbooks, including the cookbook Fire and Smoke, a pit master's secrets. Coming up next, right here on Barbecue Radio Network. Love is in the air, except this love smells like another one of your award-winning steaks that you're grilling on your new Holstein grill. At Holstein Manufacturing, we know that love comes in all shapes and sizes, and that's why we have all kinds of different grills and cookers to choose from. Get ready to fall in love. Go to our website at HolsteinMFG.com. We build a grill, Holstein Manufacturing. Holstein Manufacturing, we build to grill. Welcome back to the award-winning Barbecue Radio Network. I'm Andy Groneman, along with T-Bone, our executive producer, and my co-host, 20-time grand champion pitmaster, Fergalicious Barbecue, Richard Fergola. Our guest this week, someone my wife would tell you is the nicest man in barbecue. I call him barbecue royalty. He's been in the pits for the better part of 30 years. Among his many awards, he's been inducted into the Barbecue Hall of Fame. He's earned a Legends of Barbecue Pitmaster Award from the NBBQA and Grilling Association. He's a world champion 17 times over, five Memphis and May Grand Championships. You've likely seen him on the Today Show, the ESPN Game Day. He's authored two acclaimed cookbooks, as well as put out a line of award-winning sauces and seasonings. Welcome to the show, the pitmaster and fourth-generation partner of Big Bob Gibson Barbecue, Chris Lilly. Welcome. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank you for the introduction. I hope I don't disappoint people now, but uh, I'm proud to be on the show, guys. Well, I, you know, it's it's hard to pick from all of the cool stuff, but the most important one is, you know, my wife's always like, oh, I, I, I just, I'd love to see Chris. He's always the nicest guy. 
Well, I tell you, I, I try to be. Uh, barbecue's been fantastic to me. I'm very, very lucky in what's happened to me over the years and how barbecue's treated me and the whole industry and the people of barbecue. So any way I can give back, I'm always uh, anxious to do so. And and it's amazing uh, where barbecue takes you and the, the different paths that you get to go down because of it. I know uh, you've been doing South Beach Food and Wine for Gosh, since it started, and it was just a couple of weeks back. What? Uh, how is that? What's going on there? Tell us a little bit about kind of your history with that. You know, it's 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 been a special place for me in that it was like my first big food and wine festival that I got invited to. Probably, it's probably close to twenty five years ago. And it was small back then. It wasn't, you know, the Capital One Food Network, South Beach Wine and Food Festival with, you know, <laughs> you know, tens of thousands of, you know, attendees yeah, or anything. events every day. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy. It was five of us on the beach, on South Beach, cooking barbecue. And we did an event called Bubble Q, a champagne and barbecue on the beach. It was right in front of the Delano Hotel in South Beach. And it was no fences, uh, no tents. It was just really cooking barbecue on the beach. So that was my first experience. Fell in love with the trip, I guess, because it's so different than Alabama. South Beach is way different than Alabama. <laughs> if I will, oh, you yeah. know, if you've traveled to both. <laughs> so, so it's it's been fun. I met some fantastic friends down there, the organizers that uh, invite me back every year. So out of the 25 years, I bet I've, I've done close to every one of them. I think I missed a couple in there, but to always have a good time traveling down there, cooking barbecue on the beach with friends. Yeah. What? So what did you cook this year there? So I did a private dinner uh, for 110 people. It sold out um, before the new year. So it was the first event to sell out. It was right on South Beach. It was the further site on South Beach. And uh, it was at the a residence called the Continuum that has, you know, just, oh, it's, it is plush. It is definitely a, a nice, nice location. But anyway, I did a, you know, which I'm most proud of. They called me and asked me who I wanted to cook with. So um, I told them I wanted to do a dinner with um, Adam Evans. Adam Evans is the current James Beard best chef in the South. And he's got a seafood, high-end seafood restaurant in Birmingham, Alabama called Automatic Seafood and Oyster. And so we did a fantastic surf and turf right on the beach where we double teamed every, um, you know, every uh, course uh, all the way from apps through uh, through dessert. And we cooked it right there uh, on the beach on my rig that I pulled down and uh, we just had a blast. So that's the kind of stuff I really like. I like to get away from the norm of barbecue and what we serve in the restaurants. And when I travel, I like to do things that I don't do in the restaurant. It, just, it keeps me young. Hey, Chris, it's Ferg. Uh, so, you know, you, I think you answered uh, a lot of what I was just getting ready to ask you. But I've done a lot of these festivals, too, like Denver Barbecue Festival, Q in the Lou, those kind of things. And uh, d- how much how much do you get involved in actually running the pit and prepping and those kind of things because i've seen you know i've seen a lot of different things in those festivals and um i'm with you too i like doing those too because it's kind of a, a break from the norm of whether that's cooking contest or catering or whatever it may be just kind of tell you know i mean a guy that's accomplished as much as you've accomplished um are you still back there manning those pits and and making all the magic happen i'm proud to say i have never mailed it in at one of these uh events where you know i go with staff and 
and go out every night and then show up at the at service time. If I'm uh, at an event, especially on the road, uh, doing on-site catering, whether that be for money or for a charity event or whatever, uh, you'll always find me in the pits. Uh, that's I where it. I lo- love to be. Um, I've got two kids now that are uh, in the business, fifth generation. Uh, so you'll usually find them right beside me. So a lot of it is teaching them. Uh, so they're taking, picking up the ball and running with it. And I'm just there to, you know, support them. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. Whether it be a contest, a catering, a charity function, I'm, I'm in the pits, definitely cooking and in, enjoying. Cause that's, that's my favorite, favorite time is oh, yeah. the pits and yes. hanging out. Fantastic. I'm the same way. <laughs> And you were talking about kind of bringing Alabama there and and dragging that down. So obviously you're, you know, one of your signature things, you know, since the 1925 start is is the chicken with the Alabama white sauce. And for some of our listeners, they don't they haven't necessarily seen or heard about how that comes together and what that flavor profile is and why it's so important. So if you could just give a quick rundown on that, that would be awesome. Sure. Well, you know, you look around nowadays and there's, you know, Alabama white sauces everywhere and it has become so prevalent. But it really makes me proud to know that uh, the original white sauce came from um, Big Bob Gibson Barbecue. That was one of his original sauces back, back in 1925. He had two sauces, a white barbecue sauce for chicken. And then he had a thin sort of I would compare it to like an Eastern Carolina sop mop that he used for pork. So vinegar based um, you know, cayenne pepper, lemon juice, uh, salt, really simple for the pork. And then the barbecue white sauce for chicken. Those are the only two meats he started with and the only two sauces he started with. And that's one we still serve in the restaurant. Uh, we still bottle it and send it out as uh, as original white sauce, uh, which it is. But it's a tangy, peppery flavor. So don't think of ranch dressing or mayonnaise or anything like that. Think of a vinegar sauce. So you get the tang from the vinegar um, you get the mayonnaise that like keeps your poultry from drying out. So that additive is less about flavor and more about keeping that fat and moisture in there. That is that is it. Plus, you've got, uh, you know, a little lemon juice. You've got a lot of cracked black pepper. So you get a peppery, tangy flavor that is, you know, absolutely fantastic. And, and the ingredients are so simple. Everything, you know, it just it brings that flavor forward. Yeah, it, it's simple recipe. A lot of people try to make it complicated, um, uh, but it's really not. It's just a handful of ingredients. Uh, it is, I call it a vinegar sauce, but it is definitely a mayonnaise and vinegar sauce base. And you can get creative from there. There's so many different varieties out of, out out there and people get creative with what additional ingredients they put in. And, you know, I've, I've seen white sauce in Australia. I've seen it in Ireland. I've seen it on the coast of California, yep. Napa Valley. I've seen it in Miami and New York. I've seen it on the menu in uh, Chicago with some of the yep. best chefs in the country, Paul Cajon restaurant up there and i've seen it on char grilled carrots chicken uh beef everything so uh really makes me proud we're talking with chris Lilly from big bob gibson barbecue talking more with him next right here on barbecue radio network barbecue radio network is heard on radio stations from hawaii to florida if you have a business centered around barbecue or the backyard lifestyle please consider advertising with us Contact us through our Facebook page or website at bbqradionetwork.com.
Welcome back to Barbecue Radio Network with my co-host, Pitmaster Richard Fergola, our executive producer, T-Bone, and I'm Andy Groneman. We are here talking with Chris Lilly, fourth-generation pitmaster and partner at Big Bob Gitson Barbecue. Uh, he's been the instructor for the Pork Summit at the Culinary Institute of America in Napa Valley. He's appeared twice at the James Beard Foundation. You know, we mentioned Memphis in May, but he's also an American Royal Invitational winner and King of the Smoker Invitational winner. He's got two great cookbooks out. Big Bob Gibson's Barbecue Book, Recipes and Secrets from a Legendary Barbecue Joint, and Fire and Smoke, A Pitmaster's Secrets, both of which are available at Amazon.com or at the Big Bob Gibson website, www.bigbobgibson.com. So, Chris, welcome back. <laughs> Good to be back, guys. Good to be back. <laughs> so, so we were talking about, you know, the, the Alabama white chicken and, and kind of how that goes all the way back to 1925, but we're rolling into grilling season and I want to give our, our listeners, number one, some ideas about how they can maybe tackle that in their own backyard. I know that you have a great relationship with Kingsford. You've got some great backyard grilling tips you can share in terms of how to set up that cooker, how to get it ready so that you can cook a, a chicken, a whole chicken, a half chicken, uh, and do some of that. So let's talk a little bit about that. What do you think? Give us some uh, tips and tricks. Gosh, there's so many. Let me throw out a few. <laughs> you know, uh, Kingsford would say, and a lot of people would say, absolutely set up the two-zone fire, you know, for indirect heat, um, where you push your charcoal to one side and you have the indirect zone and your direct grilling zone. Um, sometimes I change that up a little bit there. So let me get a little bit uh, more technical. A lot of people think when they're doing direct grilling, say chicken breasts and hamburgers and pork chops and things, a lot of people think the hotter they get the grill, the better it's going to be. That's not always the case. A lot of times with uh, chicken, chicken breasts, I like to protect the chicken a little bit more. So I'll drop my coals uh, down further. So more space between my uh, grill grates and my charcoal. And uh, so I'm cooking at a lower temperature, but I'm still cooking over direct heat. And you get that, uh, you get the fat rendered from the chicken that falls into the coals and gets you a, a little more charred moisture. You know, if you've ever, a lot of people, uh, you know, that, that are cooking now in the competition circuit cook on the drums where you've got, you've got the uh, fat rendering directly on the coals, it gives you an added flavor. Well, you can do that on any backyard grill. So one, if your grill is tight, absolutely create that two zone fire and have a, a area for, for indirect. If you have a lot of room, try dropping your charcoal and increase or increasing the height of your grill grate to, uh, uh, to grill things. I've been hooked lately. I've been cooking a lot on the grill grates, uh, that aftermarket, the, uh, cast aluminum grill grates. They do a great, great job with a uh, grill marks. And then if you flip them over, you can, uh, sear fish and things like that on it. Yeah, I, I was going to say that the when you're when you lower those coals, you're you're reducing that radiant heat that's going to potentially burn or get you some bitter flavors going on too. And using the grill grates is a great way to combat that as well. You get the the heat where you want it, and you get that nice color, and you get that fat dripping right against them, and it sears right up and adds that flavor. It's great. Absolutely, you get, still get the fat rendering in the coals, but it cuts it down to a point where you don't get that flare up and the and the flames kissing your your meat. 
uh, which is a good thing. The other thing is, especially when I'm cooking larger cuts of meat, um, and you can do it either way. You can do it indirect zone or you can cook it, you know, uh, away from the coals like we talked about. But just keep in mind a high moisture content in your cooking chamber is a plus. You never want to cook with dry heat, especially when you're cooking uh, large, uh, you know, large cuts of meat, you know, whether it be a whole pork butt or, you know, whole, even a whole chicken. Uh, moisture is your friend. So you can do that by three ways. First, you can keep the lid shut and <laughs> don't keep opening and closing that thing, especially if, you, if it's a tight seal and you've got a lot of control on your air inflow and outflow. So you can keep that steady temperature, but you can trap the natural moisture from the meat inside the cooking chamber. So that's definitely a pro tip. Another way to increase the moisture is a water pan or drip pan. I say if you've got to add one, Add it. Nothing wrong with adding a water pan or drip pan to increase the moisture level. Um, some grills, you don't necessarily have to do that. Take, for example, like a, the ceramic grills out there where you've got total control of the outflow and inflow, uh, and you can really trap that moisture in. Yeah, and, and the I, last, I was going to say, ahead. I tell people all the time, especially with a gas grill, gas actually pulls moisture out of the chamber. So when you are doing those cooks in a gas grill, water vapor is a byproduct. So you want to make sure that you have uh, some type of moisture container, some type of drip pan or water container in there. Uh, But, you know, even though charcoal and pellet are are moist fuel sources, having that in there is definitely the way to go. Oh, absolutely. And you know how I get around the dry heat from a gas grill? I cook on charcoal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 I got to agree with I got to agree with both of you too. I cook on a water cooker, and uh, I think that is a topic in barbecue. And I talk about it all the time in my competition classes, especially um, simply because I do cook on a water cooker. But I think uh, there's there are people out there that are a little. Um, uh, a little leery about putting the water in there because they think that you know they were always talking about bark. I, that's I think that's what I want to hear Chris talk about is bark because I've answered this question a million times and I want to hear it from a from a fellow barbecue guy that you know I, I know I know how I answer the question but I'd like to hear you like that moisture in the chamber. What does that do for your bark, Chris? Okay, uh, so let me go back and say the last thing I would do if you're going to yes. open up the grill based. Uh, just add some moisture back. It'll help with the smoke cream. It'll keep the uh, the the face of the meat from drying out. You know, so that's another way to add moisture. So to get to your question, uh, bark in a high humidity cooker. Okay, so uh, you think about this: um, the majority of the people out there in competition, and they're you know putting out the recipes, and the people in the backyard, they're bringing up internal temperatures to you know 165, 170, 175 degrees, and then they're wrapping them wrapping them in foil and butcher paper and everything. What are they doing? They are trapping the moisture and getting high humidity around the meat. But what if, what if there is already a high moisture content in your cooking chamber? You don't necessarily have to wrap. Yes. Okay. I've cooked Memphis in May since 1996 or seven, I think. And I have never wrapped a whole pork shoulder in Memphis in May. I don't wrap. I don't have to wrap. Okay. There's nothing against wrapping. If your cooker dictates it, if your style dictates, absolutely wrap away. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You can put out a fantastic product. 
but I will say it's not necessarily my style. And I get a fantastic bark with high humidity in my chamber and I don't have to wrap. And you happen to have won five world championships at Memphis in May Doing with that. shoulders. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've also won our category shoulder 11 times at Memphis in May, but only the grand championship five. That's so. right. So, so you know a little bit about how to cook that. <laughs> but again, again, I don't want to, I'm not sitting here saying this is the way to go. It works for me. Okay. Yeah. People got their own style. I'm not going to sit here and knock wrapping. Uh, I wrap at times. Uh, again, the cooker dictates uh, whether I wrap or whether I don't wrap, uh, the type of cooker and, yeah. you know, so I absolutely wrap and will not hesitate to wrap, but, uh, but I personally like a high humidity within my cooking chamber. Yep. Well, that's great. Thank you so much, Chris. Uh, don't forget to head on over to www.bigbobgibson.com and check out their swag, their gift baskets, the sauces, the rubs. Gold Belly's even doing barbecue delivery from the website. It is great. Check out their two cookbooks as well. Big Bob Gibson's barbecue book, Recipes and Secrets. And check out the Fire and Smoke of Pitmaster Secrets, which you can also find on Amazon.com. Follow the Fire and Smoke on Instagram with his handle at Chris Lilly BBQ. And don't forget all those signature products. And coming up, we're going to talk with Fergie about a really cool topic, competition barbecue psychology. Right here on Barbecue Radio Network. Check out Barbecue Radio Network on Facebook. Give us a like. We build a grill, Holstein Manufacturing. You have a better recipe for when you grill. Better ingredients, better cuts of meat, and because you're using a grill from Holstein Manufacturing, well, a better grill. You take grilling seriously, and at Holstein Manufacturing, we make a serious grill. Find your new grill now at HolsteinMFG.com. We build a grill, Holstein Manufacturing. Holstein Manufacturing, we build a grill. Welcome back to Fergie and Andy here on Barbecue Radio Network. This segment is brought to you by Holstein Manufacturing. Check them out at HolsteinMFG.com. They have NSF certified cookers and grills. And of course, my favorite corn roasters. It's I, I just love it. Every time that uh, we're talking with a guest, they're like, let me check out those corn roasters. And it blows them away every time. So, yes, there is a GoFundMe out there. Just look for it. I do want a corn roaster in 2023. Let's get me there. And don't forget, they've got great mobile event and catering rigs as well. Check them out. Holstein Manufacturing at HolsteinMFG.com. So, you know, we are ready now to just roll right into our All Things Barbecue product spotlight. And let me tell you, after talking with Chris and we just hit on the aluminum grill grates. I want to roll back to that. I think that is the right uh, product to have in today's spotlight. So grill grates is actually the name of the company and they produce these anodized aluminum grill grate products. I mean, Ferg, you use them, right? Oh, 100%. All the time. So what aluminum does is aluminum takes the heat 
from your pit. It is a, a highly conductive piece of metal, and it wicks that heat up to the top of those grates and pr- just creates a really nice sear for you. So you can purchase those for just about any grill on the planet. If you've got a, a Yoder pellet smoker or a big green egg or even a gas grill, uh, they have all lengths and sizes of those pre-cut. You can order them up in a set of three, which for most grills will take up half your grill. Uh, and phenomenal tool to add to your, your your cooking arsenal. Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree with you, Andy. I mean, these things put the heat and the flavor right where they need to be. You can flip them over. They can be a griddle at the same time. They absorb the heat. They're an awesome tool. Yeah. And I mean, especially for steaks or, or other items, um, you're going to get a nice controlled cook. You're not going to get any flare-ups. So one of the other big drivers for them, and I have friends all the time that have an old grill, like an old Weber Genesis gas grill, for example, that they've had for 25 years, and maybe a burner's starting to rust out. Maybe there's you know some issues with hot spots. Um, they're able to put the grill grates in, and that immediately solves that problem. It takes the heat, spreads it evenly. You get this awesome cook. Yeah, it's a, it just it, it absorbs heat and puts it right where you want it to be. Yep. So All Things Barbecue has all of the tools and accessories you need to take your barbecue to the next level. Check them out. Check them out at the website, www.atbbq.com. You can pick up the grill grates there. You're going to love them. So I'm excited because we've got a great topic to cover here, and it's competition barbecue psychology. And to me, there's that that carries so much baggage with it so i am super excited to hear where you want to go with this thing because when we were talking earlier you know fergie off uh radio was like oh man this is a topic that i've been wanting to talk about i want to go there so i'm ready to like let's take it let's hear it 100 there's a lot to unpack there but i think it's uh I think it's uh, only fitting to give a quick background of myself. Obviously, I was a high school and college wrestling coach for almost 20 years. So when you're coaching at the college level, trying to win national championships, there's a lot of psychology involved in coaching your athletes to win. Um, and I, when I moved into barbecue, I think barbecue requires the, some of the same um, thought processes and, and those kind of things. And I'm just... I'm a, I'm a process type person, and I really think that in competition barbecue, and you're right, there's a lot, there's a lot there to talk about, <laughs> but I think, um, you know, I, I, when it comes, I, one, of the, one of the biggest things that I, I really try to push during my competition classes is when you show up to a competition is having a stress-free environment. Um, we all know, Andy, you know, I mean, cooking barbecue contests, there's a lot of things happening. Um, and, and I think a lot of that depends on the rig that you have, uh, the stuff that you're bringing, you know, like when I first started cooking competition barbecue, I did not have a trailer. I had a bunch of, uh, totes that I got at like Home Depot and I filled them with a bunch of stuff. And when I got to the contest, I had to unload all of that stuff and throw it everywhere, all over the place, put up tents and you're spending all this time putting up tents and trying to figure out where you're going to put all your stuff 
And then oh, when, yeah. it, when it's over, you know, and, and when, when you should be concentrating on cooking. And I think when you're in that stage, when you have all that stuff, I keep saying that over and over again now, uh, but you're, it's taking you away from what you're supposed to be doing. And that's cooking barbecue. And, and here's what's funny about that to me. So early on, I was in that similar boat right because none of us started out with the trailers and the right because right, right, right. we didn't know any better yet right correct um one of the first contests i was at where i was unloading all that stuff the last guy to show up was donnie teal <laughs> and, he had, and he had his cooler his truck and his cooker and he literally just dropped the tailgate had everything he needed right he could do everything on one tailgate and I was completely blown away by that. And I was talking to him and, and he gave me some other good information, which doesn't work today the way that it did then. Back then, you know, we didn't have all the branded products and all the things that we've got now. But it was if you're only cooking one brisket and, and, a, and a butt, like you have to cook it right. Like you can't screw it up. It was amazing to see that now, you know, you, you can cook like eight butts and whatever but right, back then right. it was like you came streamlined ready to rock and roll so that's a hundred percent right right and i think that you just hit that you have to come streamlined ready to rock and roll and i think that comes in preparation and i think that's another piece that when you're f- first beginning you don't have that because you've not done it yet and um you know if you've only cooked five to ten contests you don't have enough experience to understand what that actually looks like if you're a uh, schedule or organized uh, type person, um, you know, you're going to be ahead of the game on that. But I think if you can show up to a contest and you know exactly what's going to happen next, psychologically, you already know I'm doing this at 2.30, I'm doing this at 3.05, I'm doing this, then you can concentrate on what you're there to do and that's accomplish a grand champion style cook. And so you have to come into that ready to rock, ready to roll, you know the routine, you know the schedule, and and you know you get your prep done on Friday, you're relaxing. And I think when I'm talking in my competition barbecue classes, people are simply blown away by that. They're like, I just had a class here recently where I had a guy, he went down to Texas and he texts me uh, when I was at work, sh- shows a picture of him getting second place in pork and he goes, it was my most stress-free competition I've ever competed in. And he was following some of those tips that I gave him. And you have to be at a contest where you can be relaxed, you're stress-free, you know what's going on, you're in control. If you're That's in control, the, key. the contest is not in control of you. And I think when you begin in competition barbecue, the contest has got you by, they've got you by everything. They got you by the hooks, right? Because you don't know what's going on. You're there for the first time or second time, and you're experiencing that, and you're like, oh my gosh. You know, like, I don't even know what's going on here. Right? And then when you when you get that, it's a, that's a lost feeling and then you kind of lose track of, you know, flavor profiles, injecting, all that kind of thing you have to do. And so when you can hone in on that, that's, I think, when you become a little bit more dangerous and a little bit better. And I think the same thing applies to cooking at home as well. So if if you want to be the, the king of your backyard and you're going to have the neighbors over in the cul-de-sac, if you have your meat prepped, if you've got the cooker cleaned and ready to go, if you've got your fire lit and right where you want it, all of a sudden, you can actually entertain. You know what the meat is going to do. You know how your cook is going to go. You're in control. You're in control. And right. I think regardless, that that lesson in competition 
plays all the way back and it makes you a better cook at home too uh 100 i mean it's uh again you're in control of the meat you're in control of the cooker your guests come over you know exactly what time it's going to come off your guests come over like hey what time are we eating you know exactly what time to say because you're in control of that and and you know that that whole turn in window is really our zen time so you know i cook with kim uh and we you know say that i'm the framer and she's the finisher that's kind of our thing right like i get the meat done i get it into the box and then she's finishing it but we've got the music rocking we've got there's no fighting going on there's no stress going on at that point it's all fun and games it's your routine it's the routine you know what's happening next and speaking of what's happening next Next week, we have Stephen Reichland coming on to bring us some great barbecue tips and tricks. We want to thank Chris Lilly again for joining us today. Check him out at www.bigbobgibsonbarbecue.com. We'd like to thank everyone for joining us. And from T-Bone, Fergie, and myself, thanks for tuning in. And we'll keep the pits lit until next time right here on Barbecue Radio Network. Every Barbecue Radio Network show is archived and available through your favorite podcast platform each and every Thursday.